my God! Okay, it's happening. Are we doing this? It's showtime. Are you ready for the feed on NR92? It's time! Hello and welcome to the feed. Or should I say the weed here on 420? You're just kidding. It's on NR92. I'm Grizzly here with my co-host, Serena. Hello. So today we're talking about all things marijuana-related. Mary Jane, Kush, that good, good stuff. Whatever you want to call it nowadays. It is that good, good stuff because it's sold out in like, what? I, I think it was, if my brain's doing math correctly, about 15 hours on the East Coast? Yeah, the lineups was, were just completely insane. People were literally in sleeping bags outside of stores. Yeah, like absolutely nuts. Just flying off the shelves, you name it, lineups down the block, like... It's been completely insane. I'm interested to see what's going to happen next. Yeah, no kidding. Well, marijuana has been legal for two days now, and everyone is still asking some questions about legalities and yada, yada, yada. Yeah, everyone seems super confused about actually what is legal. Like, is everything legal or what's actually happening? Well, it's uh, still a pretty big gray area. And I talked to a legal legal representative who was able to answer some of those questions for me. I told my weed guy to step it up, and he gave me that. What is this? It's called my It's actually pretty mellow. It doesn't sound very mellow. Marijuana, devil's lettuce, wacky tobacco, pot, ganja, or whatever you want to call it. Say, man, you got a joint? You mean marijuana? Is that a joint, man? Sounds like Tinkerbell's wings. (laughs) (laughs) Whatever you want to call it, it's legal in Canada now. But what does that mean for you? I interviewed Laurel. She's in charge of RCMP Media Relations for Alberta. She was able to tell me about some of the legalities behind the new legalization in Canada. Well, federally, you have the Cannabis Act, and so that is a federal act, and so that regulates possession offenses. There's different offenses in the Cannabis Act. Sections 1, 2, 3, 4, and 5 have different possession offenses. So whether it's how much you're carrying on you, how, how old you are, or how much you're growing, these would be offenses under the Cannabis Act. The how much you have will not change. Um, that the a municipality can't regulate that, but can regulate where you're smoking it. Um, and then there would be different provisions about that, how far away from a doorway, as an example. And some municipalities have said across the board that that it cannot be smoked in public. So I think then the message to the public would be that you need to know um, the bylaws of the community that you're residing in or or working in. Or if you intend to smoke it, it would the onus would be on you to know can you or can't you in this community. Although it cannot, um, just so you're very clear or people are very clear, it cannot be smoked in a car. And then I would warn about impaired driving. So that's a different that's a different thing. But it has always been um, a criminal code offense to drive impaired, whether it's by alcohol or by drug. So if, if we're talking about somebody who's just testing the waters with this, it would be very important to understand your tolerance of it. So I would be very mindful of not driving. I would just put that warning out hundred, you know, completely across the board. If you are, if you are smoking, if you are smoking marijuana, 
you should not be driving. So to summarize, the federal government controls how much marijuana you have, which is a maximum of 30 grams, and the provincial and or municipal governments will then control where and when you can smoke it. But no matter what, you should not smoke and drive. Yeah, I actually learned quite a few things doing this interview, like how there's different levels of regulations and how it all just gets kerfuffled in people's heads. But the important things are that you don't smoke and drive and that you don't carry over 30 grams of marijuana. Yeah, exactly. And it seems that there's also a lot actually more questions that people are asking just to stay out of trouble. Um, But what it means for like Nate students on campus is a little bit different than just Edmonton or Canada. Yeah, so we have Shane here and he's going to tell us a little bit about Nate's legalization on campus. Yeah, so this uh, this week I was able to sit down with uh, Clint Galloway. He's the director of student well-being at Nate. And basically he had a say in the policy and what is uh, going to come of it. So I guess right now, without further ado, here's what he had to say about the whole Nate smoking marijuana policy. Believe it or not, but as of October 17th, 2018, marijuana is legal in Canada. The city of Edmonton has some of the most relaxed rules in the country, such as consumption of weed in public. But what are the rules right here in our own backyard of Nate? I talked to Clint Galloway, the director of student well-being at Nate, to discuss what type of rules have been put in place about marijuana. Uh, I wouldn't say it's a list of rules per se. Um, Rather, we've developed a policy uh, called our impairment policy in response to cannabis. Um, We are already a non-smoking campus, so the consumption of recreational cannabis via smoking or vaping um, really doesn't apply to us because we're already non-smoking. Where we look at it from an impairment lens was about what happens if someone goes off campus or comes to campus after having uh, indulged in recreational cannabis uh, or any other thing that might make them impaired. So we look at it from a safety and health lens. So we developed the impairment policy basically to allow us uh, to provide guidelines around expectations for students and staff that when they're on campus at Nate that uh, they need to not be impaired. So under the influence of whether it be recreational cannabis, uh, liquor, uh, prescription medication, or even fatigue, uh, they need to be in the right frame of mind in order to uh, work in their safety. As for smoking areas that have been put on Jasper and White Avenue, and even at the U of A, Clint says that the smoking areas here at Nate will stay the same. Uh, the culture and the, the landscape of Nate won't change. Um, we will have to uh, do an audit and revisit where our where the smoking areas are around our campus. So while we are a non-smoking campus, there are areas on the edge of campus that are technically city property that students are students are allowed to smoke in. So we just have to make sure that those are in accordance to the new city bylaws, which means uh, within 10 meters of an entrance. As for if you'll be allowed to bring weed on campus, Clint says that you will, but consumption is prohibited. So our parent policy is outlined on um, on the website that we have at Nate, and there'll be information that'll be coming that's coming out this week. Um, we've sent stuff out previously in uh, postcards around campus, a new student orientation uh, through the student portal. Um, but possession and consumption are different things. So students can't consume recreational cannabis in any form uh, at Nate. So that includes smoking, vaping, oils. Um, edibles are not covered under this legislation. Um, but the uh, possession of uh, recreational cannabis, as long as it falls within federally regulated uh, guidelines, I believe it's 30 grams, as long as it falls within that, student staff are allowed to possess it, they just can't consume it. Yeah, so basically the big thing there that Clint had to say is you could smoke weed if you want, especially off campus, as long as you're 10 meters out of the building. You could do whatever you want. But then if you come to class high or work high, then you're not going to be allowed to uh, participate in your work or you're going to get sent home. It's, it's just like if you showed up drunk, right? Yeah, especially when it comes to like 
people in the trades working with heavy equipment and yeah, stuff like that. That could be that could turn out pretty dangerous. Everyone knows the consequences, so don't do it. It's dumb. <laughs> you, you guys are all smart enough. But yeah, be smart. Well, the legalization of marijuana has also been allowing there to be more jobs available in today's economy. Yeah, from growers and transporters all the way to sales and construction. Around these econo- economic times, so many positions have really opened up. And Chad's here with us today actually to tell us a little bit more. So my little bit here is a little different from where you can buy weed, what kind of weed you can buy and all that. I'm here to talk about the jobs that this industry has created, specifically via Aurora Cannabis. With cannabis being legalized two days ago, I wanted to know more about some of the companies and organizations that assisted with providing cannabis and jobs for thousands of people worldwide. So I asked Terry Booth, the CEO and founder of Aurora Cannabis, to tell me about what Aurora has done for the working class since its creation in 2013, and if he expected Aurora to grow to be as big as it is today. Uh, No, I did not have any idea that Aurora would uh, be as big as it is today in 18 countries and five continents with over 3,000 full-time employees across um, at least 12 uh, different wholly owned subsidiaries um, in different parts of the world. So no, no, no idea. We didn't expect uh, this size of the company, but um, the industry dictated that we keep moving on and different countries took on the medical cannabis and the stigmas were removed and it's a, it's a great medicine. Well, as I said earlier, the 3,000 full-time employee positions, the spin-off of Aurora just on the uh, various partner companies like uh, Radium Technologies, Hempco, like the ones that aren't our Holium subs, probably add another four or five hundred there. And then construction jobs over the uh, eight facilities and, and three that are continuing is going to be another couple thousand at least. So I would say well north of uh, four or five thousand to date and, and growing. Terry has told me that Aurora expects to gain even more traction when it opens up its stocks into the U.S., providing even more jobs for Americans and others worldwide. I never realized that something so small in 2013 could grow to be something that's so huge as it is today. Yeah, no kidding. That's like absolutely huge growth. It's like on the level of construction with buildings here in Edmonton. Anyway, thanks, Chad. Yeah, and in a bit, we'll be talking about medical and recreational marijuana. Welcome back to The Feed. You're here with Serena Dushner and Cody Grizzly. <laughs> Whatever. They go by both. Whatever you Today, prefer. Today, we are talking about medical marijuana, recreational marijuana. Now, we've talked a lot about recreational marijuana, but and it's not the only way that it's actually been going. Yeah, marijuana didn't just become recreational overnight. Kind of. There are still a bunch of people who take it medicinally. Yeah, there is medical cannabis, which has skyrocketed in the past couple of years, thanks to the research that has actually gone behind it. We've reached one simple conclusion. It's an artificial and illicit pleasure. Cannabis is a real drug. A drug. You name it, I have tried it. But not a real medicine. Just a few drops a day of medical marijuana mixed into his food. So literally I sat in a room and a nurse brought in a computer screen and a guy on the other side was on Skype and I told him what was wrong with me and he said, great, I'm going to give you a recommendation. Is this cannabis? Yes. Cannabis. 
a personalized medicine, not a one-size-fits-all, says Holly Bennett, the marketing and communications manager at Apollo Cannabis Clinics in Toronto. From epilepsy all the way to cancer and HIV, cannabis has been a way to treat or alleviate symptoms. Not sure whether medical cannabis is for you? Well, no worries. Bennett said that through Apollo, the doctors prescribe medical cannabis and suggest strains to use depending on your condition. After a a patient sees our doctor, they'll move on to sit with a patient educator. And a patient educator is going to help them determine what strains, what doses, and what consumption methods are best for them. So some patients may come in already knowing they want a CBD oil, for example, and that would be taken orally, administered through a syringe, just placed underneath the tongue and swallowed. Patients who need very fast-acting symptom control, perhaps if they have you know, migraines or breakthrough pain and they need relief quickly, we might recommend that they use a dry strain of cannabis and vaporize it because it's much quicker than the edible oils. Basic things like that amongst how much THC do they need, how much CBD do they need, will help narrow down the products on the market and help uh, match them with a licensed producer who has the products that they need. From one strain to another, things can be the complete opposite. Mark Hope, the co-owner of Shea Roots, believes that something someone needs can be actually the complete opposite of what they get. The biggest thing is for medical patients getting the education that they need and then getting kind of the right strain to do what they need to do. When it comes to prescribing medical marijuana to fit a patient's needs, there's a lot that is needed to be known. Hope also says that getting marijuana medically prescribed versus buying it through retail, there are some big differences. One is definitely the uh, the education aspect. Um, if you were to go into a retail store, it's actually illegal for them to discuss the health benefits. They're actually only allowed to talk about the risks of cannabis. Since 2015, the amount of Canadians registered for medical marijuana has increased nearly 10 times. Yeah, so before interviewing the clinics, I didn't actually realize how crazy the process was just to get it prescribed to you and how much intensive, like, things that they go through just to be like, this is the proper strain for you. This is the proper... Strains and dusts and flavors. This is the proper way to take it. It's kind of just crazy, the whole process. There's a hierarchy of marijuana, it seems like. And it also seems like uh, all sorts of people are indulging in the now legal marijuana whether it's medicinal or recreational. Yeah, so uh, with all the legalization happening, we wanted to know, are there any changes for individuals who were obtaining it before the legalization happened? Uh, there's, there is something still going on. But let me ask you guys quickly here, have you guys been to any of the new stores? The new stores? I haven't been to the new store, no. Yeah, I haven't either, but I've heard there's just a ton of different options. But not everything weed-related is available in stores. And you know I smoked a lot of grass. Oh Lord. Cannabis has now been legal for about two and a half days. Canadians can now get their weed both in store and online across the country, but not all marijuana products are able to be bought legally yet. Due to this, some Canadians are choosing to continue to buy through the black market. My interviewee chose to remain anonymous, but he is one of the Canadians who is choosing to buy products not yet available through the black market. Yeah, so I vaporize the concentrate or shatter is like the name of the actual product. There's no way to legally obtain concentrates. Although the Alberta Gaming, Liquor and Cannabis Commission or AGLC currently offers over 300 cannabis products, products such as edibles, creams and THC concentrates such as shatter will not be sold within the province. The absence of these products is partially keeping the cannabis black market alive, despite legalization. I just buy it on the black market. 
from it, some dealers. You can do it online too. It's extremely easy. I think taking the money out of dealers' hands and gangs' hands should have been the point of the whole legalization, really. Based off of what he has seen, he also believes that people will continue to buy the same weed they can buy legally through a dealer. As of right now, like the flower, like the bud that they're selling is kind of on the pricier end and it's not exactly high quality stuff. Even people that smoke just regular like bud and flower, they're definitely, a lot of them are still going to go to the black market because it's still a lot cheaper. But he can still see himself and others buying products such as THC concentrates through AGLC once they're legally available. If it's close to the same price, then yeah, I, I don't see why I wouldn't for sure. What about if the prices weren't competitive? I'd for sure just continue buying on the black market. He says he's not worried about buying his cannabis through illegal sources. Is it really worth their time to bust me buying, you know, less than $100 worth of product at any given time? I could see them busting dealers. Although he wants these products available legally, he can understand why they may not have them for sale just yet. Like with edibles, what I've heard, I don't, I don't know if this is true or not, but I think they're, they want to make sure like the manufacturers aren't making it too appealing to children and stuff like sour soothers and stuff obviously if a kid saw them on a counter and it wasn't in it like packaging could used to be like oh it's just a candy and then, and then the shatter and stuff i'm not really too sure maybe it's just because they haven't proved like the manufacturing of it and while many people may continue to buy through the black market he can see dealers taking a huge hit with weeds legalization yeah like as long as the government's able to compete price-wise with them i for sure they will and yeah i think even now they will he even foresees a lifestyle shift for many dealers both good and bad oh i'm sure some of them will go from selling weed to selling whatever kind of drugs or i know a lot of drug dealers are pretty much just normal guys they'll either go to school or go to a job or something most people have jobs anyways while the alberta government plans to sell edibles by october 2019 other products such as THC concentrates, creams, and others still do not have a timeline for when they will be available legally. So going through all of this, it made me wonder a bit about what's going to be happening with the black market now that everything is, not everything, but lots of things are legal, and I'm sure some things are going to become legal that still have to be bought through the black market right now. Yeah, and like I, as I heard your guy say in your clip, I, I they're just going to move on to other illegal drugs. Or maybe they'll go back to school or... <laughs> maybe they'll get a degree. Okay, yeah, actually, maybe it's going to be a positive effect. We don't know. Yeah. I'm interested in finding out. Just something to think about. Well, only can go forward from here. Yeah, and I'm curious to know how long it's going to take people to actually or to get like these things in stores. Yeah, like as in like I wonder when edibles are going to come to these stores too. Yeah, that's, exactly. That's an interesting topic. Well, that's it for the feed. Hopefully you tune in next week and make sure you stay tuned for the new music nooner coming up at 1230. No, God, please, no, no. Did you just miss the feed or want to listen to us again? Hear it on Enter 92 Sunday nights at 730 or find it on Enter 92 SoundCloud.